It's the Pete the Planner Show, starring Peter Dunn as Pete the Planner, Kristen Alanius as the life breather into the show, and Damian Dunn as not the brother. Hello, everybody. Hey, Kristen. Hello. Hey. We got feedback that Kristen breathed new life into the show. They're not wrong. Oh, I 100% sure. agree. Two Why old fuddy duddies sitting around talking. No one wants to listen to that. Oh. Um, Kristen, you good? I'm good. Come back from Vegas with money? No. And I came <laughs> back a day late, so it was not good. Da are you saying you came back a day late and a dollar short? That's not good. <laughs> Come on. Come on. No. Um, did you gamble? I did. Did you end up uh, spending the money or breaking even or winning money? I lost money, but less than what I took as an allowance. Okay. So I did okay. Yeah. Um, Dame, you didn't do any of your vices last weekend, did you? I would have to take an inventory of my vices to make sure I could 100% stand behind that, but sure. I uh, employed one of my most dangerous vices this past weekend. On Monday night in Des Moines, Iowa, a suburb of Des Moines, Iowa, I went to a steakhouse called Rube's Steakhouse. It's an old school style place. You go down, you sit down, they serve you a big family style salad. Then they, you follow your waiter up into this meat counter like it's a butcher shop. You point to the steak you want. They put it on a plate for you. And then they usher you around this giant 20 by 10 foot charcoal grill in which you grill your own steak. Yep. You make your own nice. Texas toast. You grill your own vegetables. I got the two and a half inch thick porterhouse because I thought that was a good idea on a Monday uh, with copious amounts of wine and then a 4 a.m. wake up call to make my flight back across the country. I regret everything. Ooh, wow. That's strong. So anyway, um, all right. The great debate begins today. Kristen, from what I understand, doesn't think we're in a recession. Wait. What? <laughs> wait. Wait. Wait, you do wait, think we're in a recession? We, we don't have two sides of this There's debate. No Hang on. Wait a second. <laughs> I said we're in a recession. So how is this a debate? I said we're in a recession. Of course I we're in a recession. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Apparently, we're just going to say that we are. But we're going to argue thought... against the president. I mm. thought you were saying that we weren't. But why would I say that? I'm not an idiot. That's what I'm saying. Why would you think I would say that? Oh, that got weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an idiot. Oh, Rick Swink arrives just in time. I thought you were being like a, a young contrarian. <laughs> no, I'm old on the inside. <laughs> This might be the best moment in the history of the show. You just we called have... me an idiot. No, I didn't on exactly life. call you an idiot. <laughs> All right, so well, Dame, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to have what people like to call a snowball, where oh. one person gives a perspective and the other one just piles on. They're like, yeah, <laughs> that's what we're going to do in the first segment. You are the moderator of the world's first snowball debate. Okay. Oh, uh, Rick asks, what are we doing here today? Why are we here? Uh, but for oh. those that listen to the pod, uh, first of all, I'm sorry I put it up late this week. That's on me. Um, number two, uh, I've got a speaking gig all day tomorrow. So sorry, Kristen's not going to be in like, you know, Jersey City or some other mm. fantastic place. Atlantic City. That's where I was going for and I yeah. missed it. And uh, three, two, I'm not ready yet. Hold on. <laughs> one this week on the pete the planner show we answer your money questions here's how the show works you email us ask pete at pete the that's ask pete at pete the and we yes we answer your query joining me as always this week is the director of education uh, Kristen Alanius at Your Money Line and the Who Cares About His Title, Damien Dunn, also at Your Money Line. Hello, friends. Hello, Pete. No relation. No relation. Dame, I have seen that certain people have said, 
we're not in a recession. Or they've tried to redefine what a recession is. And it's and it's really sort of understandable that those conversations are taking place. And while I don't want people to panic that we're in a recession, I think it's on I think it's important to honestly observe as to whether we really are in a recession so that people can properly prepare themselves for it. And I think by sweeping the terminology under the rug, you do people a disservice. And so, Dame, we're going to play a little game called The Recession, The Great Debate Snowball Edition. Usually in a debate, there are two sides to an issue, but neither of them will be represented in this debate. It is me making a point and Kristen backing it up with facts. You are the moderator. Let us begin. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today for this great snowball debate that Pete has so eloquently set up. Today we're going to be discussing, are we in a recession? Of course we are. But let's go to our panel, our esteemed panel. First, Kristen Alanius, Director of Education at Your Money Line. What say you? Are we in a recession? Yes, we are absolutely in a recession. And I think personally, this is why last week I thought maybe we would have a debate is because I think where we're at now is potentially worse than a recession because what we normally see um, in a recessive environment are decreasing interest rates and decreasing inflation. And the opposite is true. And we're seeing potential rises in unemployment. So to me, that's like, that's almost worse than being in a recession. But that's also being used as the argument for why we're not in a recession. Pete, there were a lot of big words there. What do you have to say? I've never heard the term recessive environment. I, I'm like impressed. I'm going to have to put that in my search bot and see what it means. I will say yeah. this. I, I agree with Kristen. Uh, about the idea that we're in a recession. However, the idea that we're in something worse than a recession, it, that sort of piqued my interest. So the, now I believe there to be a real debate. Yes. Kristen, I think we're in a recession, but I think it is going to be a rather pedestrian recession that has third quarter um, contraction. And then I think we'll be out um, in the fourth, possibly the first Q of 2023. So you're saying we're in something worse than a recession. What say you? I think it depends on where you're at, because if your family has seen um, or felt the effects of inflation and rising interest rates, maybe you weren't able to squeeze in like a refinance on your house or something um, with the low interest rate environments we've seen. And now you might be facing unemployment coupled with those two things. I think for some, some person, some households, what we're facing is going to be worse collectively, maybe not. But I definitely think if you're in an industry that's already seeing layoffs or you've seen or experienced unemployment, what you personally feel, which is what's most important to me anyway, I don't really care if the president or some senator from Florida disagree about whether or not we're in a recession. I care about how it feels to you. And I definitely think that there are households who think that this feels worse than just the word recession. Pete, are interest rates out of control for mortgages right now? No. It, I would say interest rates are normal. Uh, the new normal threw us off as to what was normal. The fact that I got a 10-year mortgage at 2.5% makes me a robber baron. Uh, <laughs> but it also means that... Um, that's just highly unusual. Where we're at now is 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 more realistic. And so I'll note, because of how our behavior and expectations have changed, the fact that interest rates are elevated off that artificial low will contribute to the recession ending sooner rather than later because people are going to change spending. I'll also note, although it was a pretty small downtick, we did see a slight downtick in inflation off the previous highs uh, on the last report, from my understanding, uh, Mr. Moderator. Uh, year over, actually, month to month, you are correct. Inflation was relatively flat. Year over year, it was still up uh, like 8 or 9%, I believe. But you are 
it is slowing down on a month-to-month basis. Now, I, moderator, I don't want to jo- jump in and ask questions of the other panelists, but I'm going to do that right now. Kristen, I saw a report last night that lumber prices have dived, dove, dove, mm. crashed. What I don't anyway. Sixty-three, sixty-three percent. Wow. Futures, lumber futures. Kristen, something that I keep asking myself, and I know a lot of people that have the same low level of intelligence that I do are asking themselves. Um, now that prices have risen, um, are all goods and service prices going to come down to where they were, or will they just inflate at a lower level based on where they are now? I would love for that first statement to be true. But is that reality? Well, uh, so gas prices have come down. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're still L- high. Sure. Lumber prices have come down. But Dame, like I know that you love um, Trick cereal. Mm. And I assume those prices are higher based on grain prices. Are you going to see uh, a reduction in the price of tricks? When things normalize, are you going to see them inflate from where they are now at a slower pace? A great question. There's a number of different ways they could do that. They could uh, just increase again, potentially the the size of the packaging and keep the price where they are and say, you're getting more for your money and, and level, they keep that price level for themselves. Maybe they do drag the price back. I'm not sure how they're going to approach this. I mean, we're all used to seeing the price of gas fluctuate on a day in day out basis we got really used to seeing prices and groceries go down at the very beginning of COVID a couple of years ago. Uh, but then there was a steady march up from that, just kept going and going and going and going. And I don't know if we'll see the uh, price regression nearly as quickly as we see it going forward. I think I, I genuinely think, and this may be cynical of myself, that the companies will uh, hold on to their profits as long as they possibly can before they start to feel the pressure to decrease their prices back to a pre-pandemic level. Yeah, Kristen, I, I've been flying more and more. And despite the fact that I paid $900 to get to Des Moines, uh, prices have normalized a little bit here recently where I can only pay $300 to get somewhere hmm. um, to grill my own steak or not. Um, and, and so to some degree, to Dame's point here, we are seeing prices again, quote unquote, normalize. Um, do you think of a, a particular product category, maybe even housing, where we're going to see just slower growth off those new artificial highs? That's tough because I think there's some industries, I think we have our individual biases. Like I was just complaining the other day about how you used to be able to get a $5 foot long from Subway and now they're $11. And what? like- yeah, eleven nineteen is what I paid for a foot long at Subway like two days ago. What did you have to put on it? Where were you? Dubai? No, the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Like that's where. Wait I was. a second. The, uh, breaking news: five foot dollar foot longs are eleven dollars. Eleven nineteen on their. No new way. Yes, did I you promise. Get chips and a cookie. No. I need a receipt. All right, look, this is uh, everyone stay tuned. Coming up after the break, I'm going to pick my jaw off the floor and not put an $11 sandwich in it. I'm Pete the Planner. (laughs) Delightful. No way. Yeah, because they have this new menu. They're like trying to be like Jimmy John's or Jersey Mike's, where they have like set sandwiches with set toppings. Um, and they have 12 subs on that menu and the bulk of them are over. I want to, I don't know that there was one that was under 10 bucks on that menu. You just didn't pick off the right menu. Yes, I did. Okay. This is unacceptable. <laughs> I wasn't being accused of <laughs> That wasn't a personal I had a attack. Chicken, I had a chicken bacon ranch sub. Okay. Hold on. You guys, I'm, I'm pulling up the menu. We're going to call <laughs> Christian, 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 it was, I'm telling you, it was 1119. Let me see. Hey, Christy. Shush. What? <laughs> You're a liar. Nuh-uh. <laughs> okay. I'm pulling up my subway app. I'm going to show you my order history right okay. now. I, we, no one wants to have your sandwich flex. Okay. <laughs> here we go. I'm ready to go. We're going on the air. Uh, in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Normally a financial show. Now 
a show that revolves around wild accusations of $5 footlongs costing North of $11. I'm your host, Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner. Joining me is not my brother, Damian Dunn, and sandwichy, sandwich conspiracy theorist, Kristen Alanius, director of sandwich conspiracies here at Your Money Line. Kristen, I'm on Subway's website right now looking at a cold mm-hmm. cut combo. Mm-hmm. I've decided to get a foot long. It is mm-hmm. 570 American calories and it costs $7.99. So your lies and manipulation are not welcome here. What sort am- of gold truffle sandwich did you have for 11 bucks? I did not. I had a chicken bacon ranch and it was $11.19. I'm okay. looking at it right now. Dame, please call out the obvious flaw in the thinking here. There's bacon involved there. I mean, that, that's not a premium. That used to be just a standard sub. Oh, get with the times, Kristen. If you're going to put pork on your fork, if you're going to dine on that swine, if you're going to dig on that pig, you're going to pay top dollar. All right. So Dame, earlier in the show, before Kristen lost her ever-living mind about sandwiches. We were talking about the signs of the recession. All three of us obviously agree we're in a recession. Uh, Kristen seems to be a lot more concerned, apparently because she of all the exposure she has to sandwich inflation with the, the magnitude of this. So, Dame, it's a recession. We're not dismissive of people's pain or, or um, you know, moments they might be going through. Do you have any... Uh, um, especially strong feelings about this recession, or do you feel like it will be a normal bad recession? Um, I, I think it's going to be pretty moderate, actually, uh, as far as recessions go. I, I think there's going to be a lot of things that that happen that we're going to scratch our heads and say that shouldn't be happening, but it is. But technically, we are in a recession, and some people are suffering. I, for example, can we play a? a early game i know we usually do this in the in the last segment but can we play a little guessing game what would we call the guessing game uh true or false true True or false false. the nasdaq is in a is in bull market territory which means up 20 percent since june true or false i want to say false but i feel like you're tricking me no i he's not tricky it's true it's true it's absolutely true how is that possible? How can we be? I, I understand there's differences in what's being measured and whatnot, but but do people? A people don't know this. The average investor has no idea that that's going on. But doesn't that seem a little counterintuitive that we would be in a bull market in midst of a bull market and still in a recession at the same time? And if it, if it doesn't, does that mean we're leading our way out of it? Aren't stocks but, a lead, are stocks a leading indicator? Are they an indicator? I can't remember. It's been too long, so I took Econ 201. I believe they're a leading indicator. But, I'm, gonna, I'm so butchered that. You have your your economic cycle, right, is your expansion, your peak, your contraction, and your trough. And usually you mark what GDP, inflation, um, interest rate, and unemployment. And those numbers are supposed to trend in a certain direction depending on where we are. And for the last two years and some change those numbers have been so convoluted how's anybody supposed to know that that's fair i mean there's no doubt we're in unusual times because of the unusual circumstances of the world being shut down for two years right and so i think the question at hand at least in in my opinion is is this going to be a 17 month recession is this going to be you know, uh, do we have two quarters left? Do we have one quarter left? And so, Kristen, I mean, what what quarter do you think we the trough and head back up? I I think we're going to sit here for a while. Personally, I I know the two of you don't feel that way. I think I don't think we're halfway through it. Ooh. Well, that's not that bad. I mean, we're not that way much. So a while means different things to different people, primarily yeah. because Damien and I are twice your age, but. <laughs> Um, (laughs) we've been around it at a while. Um, give me a quarter that you think will be out. Q3 of next year. Wow. I'll go Q1. I'll be, we'll be out in Q1. Q1. That's what I had. You're talking about 88 years worth of experience. You're up against here, young lady. And I, Hey, I might be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. So what will be the first 
number within uh, Kristen, you mentioned GDP, you mentioned inflation, employment, and something mm-hmm. else. Um, what will be the first interest rates? Did I say that already? What will be the first number turning the better direction? Like which one number, which, which is going to turn first? Which turns ooh. In, in, in a, in a positive way for it, mm-hmm. you know, positive inflation means we inflate higher, but I'm saying positive inflation is sort of negative. Uh, probably I think interest rates, I think if, I think interest rates scare people the most, do you think so? Well, I don't know if I answered the, asked the question, right. Cause Dame, uh, Dame, do you, I, Dame, did you understand what I was saying? Because I'm saying like, which number will we feel good about seeing moving? I don't think interest rates are the first thing to come back down. Uh, my guess is I think inflation will be the first thing to come back down. Oh, I see. I, I, I think that's the one that's going to matter the most. I mean, mortgage rates have already fluctuated and wobble a little bit uh, over the last few weeks. Once we see inflation tick down and to have meaningful um, movement in that, I'm waiting for the year over year number, not the month to month number. Once once we see things really start to flatten out on a year over year number, uh, I think stability and confidence starts to enter back into the picture and then things will start to build off of that. Yeah, you know, I I think it'll be interesting if we start to get major unemployment numbers coming in. Then there is a case to be made that Chris is right. I mean, there. I mean, if if we do really see upticks in unemployment, yeah, uh, yeah, I I could argue third quarter. I I could absolutely argue third quarter. Kristen, do you think that this is the way it's headed? Do you think that's what draws it out to the length of your belief? Yeah, probably. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that that's not the case, but I do think, and I could be biased as well because the industries that I'm surrounded by are feeling it a little bit more than maybe what you're feeling in your market or Dane might be feeling in his market. So I recognize that I could have some like geographical bias as well. I was just about to say there's going to be pockets of the country that are just going to get slammed with unemployment. Uh, Kristen's neck of the woods is one of them. Uh, That's going to go up and there's not a whole lot they can do about it. But that's not unusual for them either. Uh, The the RV industry ebbs and flows all the time and people, uh, I don't want to say they're used to it, but it's not totally unexpected to happen uh, for them if they choose to, to work in that environment either. So yeah, there's going to be absolutely pockets of the country that are going to be in worse shape than others, but I think it's going to be pretty moderate for a lot of the country. Now, you know, during the early parts of the end of the world times, there was things like RVs, to your point, Dame, that just like were skyrocketing in popularity and uh, price and, you know, landscaping services and home renovations and Pelotons that obviously changed. Um what do you think's coming down? I know this just starts to feel like our stock market game, um, but do, do you feel like our? I wouldn't think RV prices are heading down anytime soon, but I would think things like home improvement potentially and and landscaping and hardscaping services could start to come down. What do you think? If RV prices stay inflated, that's their own choice, but they're already cutting way back on really? manufacturing. Well, way back on manufacturing. Um they've closed a couple plants in, in Northern Indiana already. So, uh, there's going to be discounts there, but, uh, some of the service industries I think will probably get, uh, get some pullback as well. Kristen, what's your gut say? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I have that bias. I think of like RV and like those things. Um, I can't really think of, that's just where my mind goes, I guess. When did you have the uh, $5 foot long that was 11 bucks? What day was that? Like two days ago. So in 48 hours, we've seen major sandwich deflation. (laughs) Coming up after the break, one of your questions that came to us, and now the answer comes to your ears. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Really a lot of attention to the outros today. Question. Yeah. This this Subway sandwich didn't happen to be purchased at an airport or someplace. Uh, Okay. Mm -mm. No. Can we rank sandwich shops real quick? And then I've got a quick story. Uh, so your choices are, and you can add to them if you want. Well, actually, we'll add a few. Uh, Penn Station's out of the running because it's clear in a way, number one. Okay, so we're not <laughs> doing that. Dang it. We've got Subway, Jim John's, Jersey Mike's, and I will put Witch Witch in there. And Firehouse Subs. Okay, so Jimmy John's, Jersey Mike's, uh, Subway. Uh, 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 Witch Witch. Witch Witch. 
and firehouse subs. Okay, Kristen, number one sub. We're only going to go number one, two, and three, and four, and five. What do you got? Jersey Mike's. Number one is Jersey Mike's. Dame? I've only had sandwiches from two of those places, so it's going to be pretty narrow. That's Jimmy John's. <laughs> Jersey Mike's is clearing away number one there. Absolutely. I agree. Number okay. two, I will go. I, oh, I forgot pot belly subs. Oh, I've had pot belly, but it's been a long time. What's your worst one on the, actually, let's not do that. I'm not a hater. Okay. <laughs> you guys want to hear a, a moderately interesting story? Yes. I don't know. It kind of involves you guys in a roundabout way. I don't know. Kind of, by association. Oh, we have some comments. Chris says pop Ellie is the goat. It really is. Uh, big Rick swing says he likes a, a big witch, witch. Um, Grant says kudos on us all working at the food bank yesterday. Great time. Great time. Little Spence 49. You know, he's part of the Spence family. Big Spence, Lil Spence, Spence Short 50. Spence. Yeah, Spence 50. Uh, he said, why are we doing it on Thursday? Did I miss something? No, we just couldn't do it on Friday. Let's go days. And he appreciates Kristen's res- uh, perspective on relationships and money last week. Oh, that's really nice. So I'm listening slash reading, as I call it. My wife calls it lazy. Uh, a new audio book last week when I was in Iowa, And it was by Liz Smith. It's a memoir. Liz Smith is the political consultant that was a communications director for Pete Buttigieg presidential run. She has served in several other capacities. So it was her memoir. Wonderful book. Um, I thought it was going to be good. It ended up being a lot better than I thought it'd be on top of that. So that's not to be negative. I just thought it was really good. And I'm listening to the book and she's talking about the strategy with uh, Pete Buttigieg as to, to try to get him some footing as he was about to announce his running for president. Well, as you'll remember, uh, mayor Pete at the time, now secretary of transportation, Pete, um, was on our show. Uh, we, I interviewed him on our show by then. It was, I think it was just me, right? Dame, were you on the show back then? Uh, yeah, but I was not, uh, on that show. I think it was you and, uh, Adam. Uh, Adam Wren, he was, I think he was part of, but he, I, 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 he wasn't on the, anyway, yes, he was involved, but anyway, so he was on the show, really interesting conversation. And it was one of those things, like I was really excited to get a presidential candidate on the show. I, I, I like mayor Pete's vibe that, that doesn't matter what I think, or you can think whatever you like. Um, but the whole time it was going on, I was like, why did he say yes? Like, why, why are they doing this? Like, this is stupid. Like, if I'm going to direct him, don't be on my show. It's the old, I would never want to be the, in the club that would accept me as a member joke. Mm. Um, and so she's talking about in her book that part of their strategy was to go on all of these little shows and podcasts. And, and, and the section in the book went on and on, like it really got into detail to the point of if she had written one more sentence, I think she would have said the Pete the Planner show in the book. Like she was going so far down the mountain of this. And so another element to there's two other parts of the story. Uh, I'm in the Marriott Hotel uh, lobby in Des Moines while I'm listening to this book to a section about when they're campaigning in Des Moines and she's talking about the Marriott lobby in Des Moines, Iowa that I'm standing in as I'm listening to the book, which was really weird. Final note. I sent her a tweet as I tend to do to authors when I read their book and I just thank them for writing it, tell them I enjoy it as someone who's written a book or two. I find that nice, right? Uh, I like to be nice. So I sent her a tweet. I said, hey, this was really great. I appreciate you. And she said something, blah, 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 blah. Very, thank you very much. It was so nice to, to hook, it was so nice to hook you up with the other Pete back in the day. So she remembered me, right? And then the other side was, there's no way that he's the other Pete. I'm pretty sure I'm the other Pete at this point, but I thought that was a charming story that I would like to share. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yes. And then we've got to go. Cause okay. did, got a call. Did, did she narrate her own book? No, but the woman's voice that they used is very similar in tenor to her voice, which was re- important to me as a consumer of the work. Do you uh, listen to those faster? If you know the author is uh, narrating their own book and you know who it is, do you, do you listen to it in normal speed or do you speed it up and listen to it at a different pitch? 
That's an amazing question. I am a 1.6x listener to most books, but when it is the uh, narrator of the book or someone who sounds like it, I slow it down to 1.2 or so. Other than Seth Rogen, because he's such a stoner, when I listened to his book, he was, was ah, it was like 2.2. And so, great question. Um, which question are we doing for this segment, Dame? Uh, which, which would you prefer? I'll give you the choice since you got a shout out on breathing life into this old <laughs> tired podcast. I think my question is timely, but I was going to ask if you would read it just in case my internet would blip. Cause that's a lot of time. Oh, Let me make sure I've got it on my screen. Um, and then Kristen, are you gonna have to bail at the top of the hour? Uh, I have to bail at the top of the hour. Okay. So we will kick you off the show in the appropriate amount of time. And if you just had to die, you leave, you leave. I'd rather you not disappoint people. So other than all of our listeners. <laughs> all right, Christy. Dame, you got it? Got it. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, this show occasionally answers questions from the people. This week we have said question. And since you've been doing such a good job of entering segments and being the moderator of debates, I put this question in your hands not really introing anything because you brought us in from the break but whatever uh hi all student loan question i'm currently a grad student getting my doctorate nice job congrats and have seven semesters of school left before i graduate oh my god seems like forever that person's never gonna graduate no holy crap you're a lifelong student sir and or ma'am I've used up the savings I had saved prior to starting school in the first year of school and will be living off of student loans for the next two years and four months until I graduate and get my big person job. If it matters at all, starting salary would be between 175 and 200K after I graduate and anticipate paying in some large monthly payments to chunk down my loans ASAP after graduation. Like, I hope to pay off my loans in two to four years post-grad. In regards to paying for school, it seems I have two options on my plate. One, a family member offered me a lump sum of $125,000 roughly right now to pay for school. What? And would be giving it to me at a flat 4% interest rate. Interest would begin accumulating immediately. Or... Is this real? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I take out federal student loans incrementally, semester by semester, at a higher interest rate. 23,000 spring 23, 19,000 summer 23, 23,000, 23,000, 16,000, 12,000 to cover tuition and cost of living. Any recommendations? I tried to do some interest math and it made me want to drink. Well, I mean, good days, bad days. That's why the industry is always thriving. Thank you, emailer. Dame. If you're like Kristen and I, the first question you're wondering is what line of work are they in? Because if they happen to have exposure to the world of nonprofits, like a physician at a nonprofit hospital, the person would be a moron to take on a personal loan. What do you think? That's absolutely the question that has to be answered first and foremost. Are they going to have access to PSLF? Because if you do, you can forget about all that crazy familial relationship oh (laughs) what What? i didn't know don't don't make it any more awkward than it has to be pete thank you uh and just take out the student loans and then pay it off over 10 years make your 100 well your 120 payments hopefully that lasts 10 years and then you wash your hands and walk away Kristen, do you see this differently than i do there are a few things that make this tricky in my opinion one, th- if we just compare interest rate to interest rate, the family member loan makes the most sense, right? Like that's just basic math. You're not going to receive a federal student loan at this point for less than that 4%. However, how many people do the two of you know anecdotally that could let six figures sit in their bank account for the next four years and stay on budget for those years? So you're saying yeah. there might be a little bit of uh, lifestyle inflation, knowing that there's a uh, six figures sitting in your account. Yeah. So if we're just looking at if we're looking at it from a behavioral spe- perspective, I do not love the family loan for for several reasons because I don't really like it when people borrow money from their family members anyway, but also because who do I know that can leave a hundred grand just sit in their bank account? 
what if you were just to say, you know what, I'll, I'll bring you the bills each semester. Don't give me the lump sum because I'll do something stupid with it and you can just pay it as it comes. Maybe, okay. maybe they're not. I mean, that's a legit question, but what if they're not willing to do that? What if they want the guaranteed 4% from the get-go? Yeah, that's the, I think this is about helping the person out. Can we call the person a name? Uh, let's go with Steve. Uh, Steve, who's Steve? Person. Okay. And then Steve's uncle? Chuck? Steve's uncle. Okay. Chuck is not necessarily altruistic here. I think Chuck's looking for a guaranteed 4% because Chuck is asking Steve of Steve and Chuck fame to make a difficult decision like it's some sort of riddle or, 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 or brain twister teaser. So I, I don't know. I don't think I would do it if I'm Steve. I think I would tell Chuck to just give me nicer holiday gifts. I don't think I would do it. <laughs> Does your opinion change yes. if you <laughs> if we consider that the aggregate um loan limit before you go into the plus program, you can only have twenty thousand dollars a year. And if we recall from like 10 episodes ago, the loan fee on a grad plus loan is like 4%. So does that change your opinion knowing this person's going to have a 4% fee? And then I think interest rates are like 7% on those loans. A little bit, but I would also say once they get into the plus loan program, doesn't the income based repayment provisions changed in, in terms of PSLF? Don't they go up to like 20%? Um, they, they should just be able to do, um, the income. Well, it depends on what their income level is because if they're going to be a high income earner, payee or repayee might make more sense because there are some different, like on payee, you never pay more than what you would have paid on tenure repayment. There are some like neat, like nuanced differences. So that's the hard thing too, is like, will you be a high income earner always? Is there going to be a scale up in your income, um, with respect to PSLF, of course. Dame's shaking his head. I don't know if it's because someone busted into his studio and started calling him positive names or what. What's going on? No, I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around does the financial benefit outweigh any potential fallout that you have in a relationship with, with family members? Are you, are you you're going to be making 175 to 200,000 dollars a year and you want to pay it off in 2 to 4 years is it worth taking money from somebody that you know when you just you already have a very workable plan to do it yourself all right let's look at it this way dame you get 10 times to make this decision how many of those 10 times are you taking the loan from family uh way less than half Okay. Kristen? Behaviorally, I don't know that I'm ever taking the loan from a family member. Yeah, I'm I'm below two, which I believe uh, yeah. in all less than half culture is one. Um, yeah, I just don't I don't think so. I don't like I don't like when I go out to dinner with a buddy and he picks up the tab in a sneaky way. I appreciate it, but then I'm always like I gotta buy the next one. I like I, I walk around owing this fella. And who knows what restaurant he picks next? You could stick it to me. Seems reasonable. Plus, I don't know. In, in an increasing interest. The other thing too, though, is we're in an increasing interest rate environment. So what happens if student loan interest rates are even higher next year? The the greater the gap between the four percent guarantee and whatever you'll pay for the loans that you take out through the Department of Education the more likely I am to say, all right, fine, take the family member loan. But man, do I hate that option. I have an uncomfortable question to jump in front of Dane before he stays on topic to end this segment. And you don't have to answer this because I'm asking a very personal question of both of you. So you can just say punt. The question is, have you either ever borrowed and or lent money to family? The question is, have you ever borrowed, lent money to family or punt? Or punt. Those are your three choices. I will answer first. I have not. I, I Oh, by the way, you don't have to say whether you've borrowed or lent. You can just say, yes, I have, or no, I haven't. I have not done either. But I mean, or yes, no. Mm, Dame? 
Yes, both. Kristen. I've lent. Okay. So do you feel like that those experiences impact how you answer this question? Um, not really. I, when, uh, when I've done either side of that deal, we've had really good understanding. Uh, and we knew the, the other person wasn't any kind of a credit risk or anything. It was just, it, it just was convenience, that sort of thing. All right. Kristen, real quick before we head to break. I'm hungry. Can I borrow $11? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. Dame submitted this week. It was so good. I didn't even search for anything else. That and current events. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner show. All right. We can turn this thing right around and get Kristen to her meeting. Are you good with that, Kristen? Yes. I read none of the copy that came along with that. So read at your own risk. Uh, okay. Well, you think there's going to be curse words or what are we doing? No, no, I'm just saying it may suck. I don't know. Okay. Well, so do I. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Balenciaga uh, trash bag. That's right. Balenciaga has Uh-oh. never been shy to push boundaries, but the edgy luxury brand may have taken it to new extremes with its trash bag. Dubbed the Trash Pouch, the drawstring calfskin bag officially hit stores as part of Balenciaga's fall collection after it first turned heads on the runway at Paris Fashion Week in March. The launch of the bag, which comes in typical garbage bag colors like black and white, as well as blue and yellow, is drawing newfound scorn on the internet, where users are again scoffing at the ostentatious product. Dame, that was actually pretty good copy. Yeah. Um, I first of all, I just want to say I'm going to ask you what you think it costs. Dame knows. Uh, and number two, uh, I don't like that I can so seamlessly pronounce Balenciaga. I don't really care about Balenciaga, but it is one of the easier brands to pronounce as it relates to brands I don't care about. Whatever makes you sleep well at night. <laughs> Usually whiskey. Kristen, what does this trash bag cost? I am not as in the know on the luxury brands as you, Pete. So, wait, no, 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 no. no. We're not <laughs> doing that. What you just that. said. That's what you just said. Um, Twelve grand. Okay. That's aggressive. Wow. That is aggressive. I mean, that's just, I mean, I, look, Kristen, I feel fondly about you, but that's a horrible guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. for a luxury trash bag. Dame, speaking of trash, what's in the news this week? Samsung unveiled the latest models of two of the world's costliest phones, the Galaxy Z Fold 4 and the more compact Galaxy Z Flip 4, both coming to the U.S. later this month. More guessing games? More guessing games, anyone? No. How okay. much does the phone cost? The Z Fold 4 will retail for about $1,800, and the Z Flip for what? around 1000 It's a bet that uh, on the continuing resilience of the phone industry's upper class. First half smartphone shipments were down 8% from a year earlier, but declines were steepest at the low end. Shipments of, quote, ultra-premium phones, mm-hmm, Priced at nine hundred dollars or more, we're up by more than twenty percent. Pete, you gonna rock an eighteen hundred dollar phone anytime soon? Uh, unless it is also a hoverboard. The answer is no. That that seems like a lot. Now I gotta be honest. I have no idea what my iPhone costs, and I'm I'm not proud of that. But I don't know. <laughs> don't they know we're in a recession? Yeah, it but- seems like poor timing. At some point, you gotta be like, you know what? Let's let's not do that project. It doesn't matter. They just said the pre- shipments of ultra premium phones were up more than 20%. From what though? Uh, was it the prior year? I I just have to say, I don't like the term ultra premium. It makes me want to not sit in a exclusive area of a club on white pleather couches, drinking Fiji water and overpriced Belvedere vodka. That's what it makes me feel. Isn't that ex- uh, essentially what uh, airport lounges are? Or is ultra premium? They're not ultra premium. They're Okay, so I was in the airport lounge in Minneapolis on Sunday morning, which is a great place to be. Dude, there was so many people in it. I left it so I could feel 
comfortable, safe, and private. It was, it was the dumbest thing I think I'd ever been a part of. I was like, not that I want to feel exclusive. I just want privacy and I want quiet. I went in there. It was like Grand Central Station. And so I went and sat in the food court by myself with no one around. Hmm. So you're I saying, always go sit. Go ahead. I always go sit at not my gate to avoid oh, yeah. people. And then when they call my group, I wait another like 10 minutes because I don't need to stand in the cattle chute. I have to be the first person on the plane. Why? Why? So that you can watch everybody else struggle with their luggage or what? Um, I don't know why I'm the way I am, but (laughs) if I'm not the first on the plane or at least the first in my group, I have a panic attack. No. I mean, it it makes sense because first class often boards first and (laughs) so Pete just is right there waiting. He's got whoever's carrying his bags for him and they make their way down the jetway onto the plane. Frequent flyer doesn't mean I spend a lot on specific flights. It means that I get upgraded into ultra premium situation. James, what else is in the news this week? Ad Impact, a company based just outside of Washington, projects political ad spending during the current two-year election cycle will more than double as compared with the 2018 midterms Ugh. and even exceed oh. spending in 2020 when the White House was in play. Total spending is on pace to reach close to $9.7 billion compared with about $4 billion in the 2018 cycle and $9 billion in the 2020 cycle. Quote, an increasingly polarized electorate and easily accessible online fundraising tools have been major factors propelling this surge in spending, the report says. It no longer takes a presidential ticket at the top of the ballot to push a cycle near $10 billion. Pete, have I told you my idea about this? I think you have, but reshare it because I don't remember what I had for dinner. I I think there are two things that you should be able to do. One, you should be able to volunteer for a certain amount of time uh, for some nonprofit, and you would eventually get a a card with a code that you could submit to any of your online stations that have uh, ads play on them that would immediately block them out. Uh, so you don't see any political ads whatsoever for the entire time period up to the election, or you should be able to f- uh, put a, a dollar amount on your tax return every year. I uh, call it 50 bucks or something like that. That would get you another code that you could opt out of all political advertisements on TV during that same time period. Those are both amazing. And of course, highly unrealistic. Here's my, here's my take on it. I, I am not a cynical person. I don't, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't think I'm a cynical person. Maybe I am. But what bothers me the most about this, other than just personally being annoyed at the commercials, is that with that much more money coming in, it's going to be that much easier to grift and to skim off the top for the politicians. And that grinds my gears. I the There's a Facebook comment. No one wants this. <laughs> yeah, Brittany's Too right. <laughs> Literally no one. Well... A couple of people uh, yeah. at TV stations want this. I'll, I'll tell you, friends in um, advertising at, at, at media outlets, they want this. They will make their careers on this. Um, and I don't hate them. I mean, I don't hate them for that. I mean, I get that. That's the reality. Um, and they take it from both sides. I don't know. Dan, what else is... Mortgage applications are up for the first time since June. Remember that long time period ago when when things were just looking bleak? Well, it's back. The housing market, it's back, baby. Sure, it's only a 1.2% increase after a 22-year low, but this could be a glimmer of hope that the housing market will stabilize. And the 30-year fixed mortgage rate saw its largest week-over-week decrease since 2022, falling 31 basis points to settle at 5.43%. Home seekers rejoice. Yeah, Kristen, uh, were you above or below the five point? What was what was the average rate there, Dame? Five what? Five point four three. Higher or lower than that, Kristen? She's higher. higher. Oh, whew, wow! Really pulled Life the trigger. Sucks. You're sitting there. <laughs> so you are more than clearly more than double, maybe than my two point five percent mortgage. That's so nice of you to say. Well, no, I mean you also have ten million times the amount of hair that I have. <laughs> <laughs> on your head so um i that's it seems fair chris are you no. gonna try and pay that thing off faster than uh the that's the, a good question nope it's a 30 mm-hmm. so you're doing the reverse inflation game there i don't intend to pay it off early but i don't believe in getting rid of assets as a general rule either um 
And I also think that what works for me behaviorally does not work for everyone. So, so you're going to be a property queen is what you're saying? <laughs> Monopoly. Wow. I feel like sometimes having, when we're in her presence, I feel inadequate. Imagine having <laughs> Kristen as your landlord. Yeah. I'm nice. No, she's nice and she'd get stuff done. She's is one of the most reliable people I know. So you'd be like, hey, my furnace is out. She would get it done. You know, yeah. that's what you need in a landlord. That's true. All right. Um, yeah, that's that's the show this week. Kristen uh, is off to help someone with their financial life. Uh, can you get $70,000 of student loans forgiven? That's my hope of what you can do on this call. Can you report back to us with no more details than that? I will report back and I hope that that is the report. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner and this is the Pete the Planner show. All right, Kristen, see ya. See ya, see ya. Yep. All right, Dame. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> I don't know what that means. How much can we trust her based on an $11 Subway sandwich? I'm. There has to be something more there, right? Okay, I agree. So uh, first of all, I think the bacon is an issue, but I, I have another point that I didn't want to bring up. You can get a foot-long pro, which is double the protein, for $10.99. And I think she may have gone with the pro. Think so? Didn't but is, did they have just a regular chicken bacon ranch or whatever? All right, she let's ate? look up the chicken bacon ranch here. Uh, I mean, this is the stuff that people want. This is why our show consistently doesn't win awards. So, um, okay, okay, okay. Uh, the chicken bacon ranch footlong is eleven ninety nine. Ooh, so she so, had a coupon. Yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> she's a bargain hunter. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves of all time were the extreme couponer movement uh-huh. back in the day where people would be like, I got 39,000 rolls of TP. Now, and given what we've just all been through, it's smart, but people are like, I got free yogurt. It's like, what? <laughs> Who wants free yogurt? I don't trust free yogurt. Really? I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm tired. Big, big okay. yogurt. I got to go. I got a meeting. Um, Sorry, Jeremiah. <laughs> 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 that's the best joke of the show um dame uh mazel Tov, uh everyone else stay getting money